Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast. This is episode number 56. This podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Truck Covers. The absolute only truck cover that you should ever buy, period. Makes the back of your truck a vault and uh, keeps everything dry. Keeps the dust down if you do a good job of sealing your tailgate. Um, I've had one for four years. Adore mine. Will never own a truck without one. Uh, it's an insurance policy for all my gear. But with that being said, on this podcast, I'm talking to the guys from the Whitetail Legacy podcast. I met them at the ATA show this past year. We actually met in line going into the film festival where we don't really talk about the film festival a ton just because I've already beat that dead horse enough. They talk about kind of their perspective on it. Um, I met them because they essentially recited half of the podcast back to me that they had listened to. Um, so I knew they were some avid listeners and I wanted to get them on to kind of see what they had learned, see where they're at in their filming careers, see what their goals are, what they're working on and see what their struggles were or are still and really just kind of get their perspective on filming and production in general and, uh, their opinion on really the, you know, the outdoor filming lifestyle and, how they have become completely and utterly obsessed with telling good stories, which is what I like to hear. So here is episode 56 with the guys from Whitetail Legacy. Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast. This is episode 56, I'm pretty sure. I looked it up right before we talked right before I called the guys from Whitetail Legacy Podcast. I've got Cody Jenkins and Ryan Homie Nelson on the phone. What's up, guys? What's up? This is Cody. Thanks for having us on, man. Hey Caleb, this is Homie. Um pumped to be on, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. First and foremost, Homie, how did you get your nickname? Um, I when I was about three days old. Uh, my dad was a big fan of in living color and just showed up at the hospital and uh homie the clown on that show so he just started calling me homie and it stuck ever clown. since <laughs> oh wow well that's dude i've got a i can't tell it on the podcast because it's r-rated but uh, i got a friend of mine whose nickname is fafa it's jeff fafa shelby he works for mossy oak if you ever run into him ask him how he gets his nickname it's one of the funniest stories <laughs> you'll ever hear in your life but he wears it with a badge of honor, and it is one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. But anyway, yeah, yeah it's, it's um, good stuff. Yeah, like I feel like I'm homie. I don't feel like I'm Ryan. Yeah. Uh, whenever anybody calls me Ryan, I'm just like, uh, who are you talking to? Because you have a better chance of getting my attention with homie. Yeah, well, that's what I, I mean. That's what I knew you as, too. So that's what I'm going to call you. But um, yep. all good. Anyway, how's the weather up there? You guys are from north central Illinois. I heard it's pretty rough windy and icy and i'm hoping that we don't lose power in this we would go power we just have talked to you in the dark so <laughs> oh, well a lot of people losing power around us and uh just when the power comes back on we'll, when the power comes back on we'll just get a good hand check make sure everybody's not doing anything they're not supposed to be doing <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea hands on the table <laughs> so um you know i met you two guys kind of crazily standing in line to go to the film festival ata show this year and um I don't remember who, like, I don't know how, who entered. No, the guys from eighth and time introduced me, didn't they? Yeah. We were standing in line ready to go into the film festival and you had walked up with Irwin and Homer I was just, like, Hey, there's Redneck. I'm I like, just, Oh, Hey, there is Redneck. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, recognized your voice and asked Rand. I said, Hey, is that Redneck? And he's like, yeah, Hey, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, you know, Hey, this is Caleb, and this is Homie and Cody from Whitetail Legacy, and uh, I just recognize your voice, man. See, dude, this this is so cool, you know, because there's, which I've talked about it a million times about, you know, the, the reasons I do the podcast, but then getting to meet people that have, that recognize my voice, which is scary in and of itself, um, that have listened to the podcast, and, you know, I, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you guys about is, you know, I know that you've listened because y'all recited half of them to me as we were standing there talking. <laughs> and, um, you know, I kind of wanted to say, you know, I'm, first of all, I'm extremely flattered. Appreciate that. But second of all, 
you know, you guys are kind of new into the filming thing, or I say new, you're, you're novice into the filming thing and you're, you're trying to find your way and the podcast. We're new. We're you know, new. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, some people get offended when you tell them, you know, you say that they're new, you know, but I, I mean, everybody sees themselves in a different light than probably what they really are. You know, I compare myself to people and I'm really new, you know, people that have been doing this for 20, 30 years. So it's just, it's kind of all in perspective, but you know, you guys had kind of told me that you learned some things and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, but kind of getting back to how we met, um, which I've already kind of put my two cents in the in the arena for what I thought about the film festival. What did you guys think? Not don't don't repeat what I said. What did you guys think of it? Um, for me, I thought it was really good. You know, just a, a lot of really great shots. Um, there was a lot more voiceover than what I would have thought, and you know, it kind of took me by surprise that it wasn't like oh, hey, show us your best hunt. Like, it was like, show me your best story with meaning. And uh, that was that was something that I wasn't really expecting to see there. Yeah, and, and that's what's going to win it every time, is which is the better story, which one's going to either grab hearts and minds or, you know, the epic, the epic hunt is going to do okay, but it's never going to beat that, you know, that crazy story, whatever that might be. But, you know, um... Yeah, it was it was a lot of voiceover, which it's notorious for that. I mean, we've talked about that before. Yeah, I kind of expected the voiceover. Uh, everything I've heard about it, you know, everybody says it's epic, and I feel like that's how you get that epic feel. Like you say, you know, voiceover, pretty shots. That's pretty much what it was. Um, there was a couple good stories in there. Um, I'm kind of a storyteller, I I think. Uh, well, we'll figure it out when our film comes out, but that's what I enjoy, you know, about filming. So I related to a lot of the videos, um, and then a lot of them were just okay. And uh, you could tell, like, that you could tell the just the different qualities in them. Uh, I think it was cool that they put some, uh, you know, lower quality ones in the short films just to get a different edge. But when you go from, like, one that is – you know, impeccable to that one. It's just like, wow. You know what oh, yeah. I mean? So, well, and I thought it was a good mix, but yeah, you put, you, you put something polished next to something that's not polished. It's, uh, it stands out like a sore thumb, man. And, and that's the thing is people want to, you know, that's the information that I'm trying to get out there is how to take it from that, you know, middle of the road, rudimentary, you know, storytelling to rounding those edges, polishing it, cleaning it up, coloring it, and putting it in a presentable fashion because that middle of the road thing, you know, where, you know, where you guys probably are or where you're trying to get to, that's, that's the, that's the first step is once you figure out those basic building blocks. And then once you get those basic building blocks and you figure out how to mesh those building blocks together, how to get from one of those building blocks to the other, how to transition those things, how to create dialogue in the field, that's when you start really polishing that story. And uh, that's that's one thing that most of those films, even the polished ones, lacked, is telling the story in the field, and that it, it is hard to do. And I didn't know how to do it until I started working at Sub Seven. You know, I'll be the first to tell you I was lost as a goon until I saw it done with my own eyes. But um, yeah, the the film festival had some really good cinematography. I will say that. I mean, there was a lot of pretty pretty shots, but you you go to some epic pretty places and spend enough time in the woods you can get pretty shots yeah for sure i mean that one was a kodiak bear hunt you know i mean that's just insane to me so it's got to be insane to everybody right i mean mm -hmm. kodiak bear hunt but i mean he had some epic shots but i didn't think it was any better than a lot of the other ones it was just the hunt in general like you said it's either the story or the hunt that's going to win it there but uh in a whole, I enjoyed it. We learned a lot. We took some, yeah. We seen some shots that we know that we could do, and we could make our own. So that's kind of what we did. It we did it as, you know, let's go to this. Let's try to learn as much as we can and see, kind of what this side of the industry expects in video. Yeah, because that's one of our, you know, that's our strong. That's our hardest part right now is we're trying to figure out what we want to do with our video. Yeah. You know, well, that and was, you go over that a lot. Yeah, so. and, th and that was my next question is kind of what is your goal? You know, what's you guys' outlook? You know, what are you trying to 
what are you trying to gain? What are you trying to create? You know, what's the, what's the plan? Have you, have you determined what that is yet? Yeah, a little yeah. bit here. Um, just like we were talking before we hit the button. Um, we recorded our whitetail season, not really knowing what we were going to do with it. Mm-hmm. But now that season's closed and we, we look back at all the footage that we have, we're like, okay, we can do this. And, um, you know, like you always talk about is, you know, telling a story. But one thing with us now is we're like, okay, this is how we can tell a story. Like we, we've got just a small bit of knowledge that we have together. And um, we're like, you know, we can tell a story by doing it like this. And then we're already trying to think of, you know, how we're going to tell a story next year and yeah, but, but, go, but, go but, about our film in. but what you're kind of left with now is, you know, before you made that decision, you filmed your whole season. Now the, now the footage is going to dictate how you tell the story versus exactly. You yeah. Know, yeah. Knowing what, knowing what the plan was going into filming, then you can let the footage instead of the footage dictating the story, you get to dictate the story. Yeah, see, like, there's some shots that we could be like, you know, oh, we should have done that if we would have known what direction we were going to go. And that that was the point I was getting to there. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and I think that's a lot of guys' problem is they, 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 they really want to film hunts. They really want to document the things that they're doing because, I mean, it is cool, you know, and, and any, in any form of media that can be created in order to bring, more people into this sport, I'm all about it. Uh, sport, I use the word sport loosely, you know, into this recreation, you know, because the hunting numbers are down. But the thing is, it makes it, if you can be honest with yourself about what that goal is, about what, you know, what you're trying to do, whether that's a web series for your buddies, whether that's a web series to put out there to the world, whether that's home videos, you know, like we've talked about before, once you determine, hey, I'm really wanting to do an informational series on how to chase a particular buck. All right, that's a really defined goal. All right, now that's how we create this. That's how we produce this. Is Now we know that goal. Now we go into producing it this way. You know, and you're going to produce something like that completely different than you're going to produce something that is just for you and your buddies to sit around on the weekends and watch. Yeah. I agree with that. That's one thing we only said it all year is if we knew kind of like what our main goal was, we would have filmed it. So I think that's important if you are going to start filming with a group or whatever, to sit down and decide, you know, what are, what are we going to be filming for? Do we know? But just to kind of round up what homie said, um, we decided to just le- legitimately be ourselves on film. That was really important to us. And we we want to show emotion because this was a super emotional year for us. I mm-hmm. mean, we had we had I had some very emotional hunts. Uh, homie had you know a, an awesome hunt on his piece, and uh, we got to share that emotion with a lot of people in our lives. So we want, that was our main goal, and it was kind of you know our first year really going in hardcore filming, and it really like it changed us how we film how we think about it it made us want to just do it even more you know and it's literally an everyday deal we're figuring out you know what products we want to get to be better or how we can tell the story better or like you said we're planning out stuff that hasn't even happened for next year that if it does happen this is what we need to be doing now and in the next couple months in case it does happen yeah yeah, for sure. And just like you were saying there, Cody, um, you know, get a find out how you want to film it and how you want to go about it. But it's okay to change. Like, oh, yeah, for I sure. don't know how many, you know, even just in the course of our podcast, you know, we've kind of changed a little, like our little niche, you know. Yeah. And the same, the same with filming. Like, say you say you decide you're going to film one way, and then you're like, well, now that we're actually shooting it, it's not coming together like I thought it would. Like, it's okay to change, and just don't think that you just lost all that time and, and footage that it just went to waste. Well, you find out what you're good at. You find out what style you're the best at. You know, I know a lot of guys that are really, they're really into doing everything handheld. They don't use any, you know, support. They don't use tripods. They don't use camera arms. They, you know, they go for that real and raw feel because it's easier for them to be able to move and groove and run and gun a lot faster and 
production value is not really as important as getting everything, you know, it, you know, they would rather have every, every shot they can possibly get handheld than spend the time to make sure shots are nice and clean on tripods or sticks or a camera arm. You know, some guys are, want to do everything DSLR. They want to shoot everything super shallow and they're really good at that. Some guys want to shoot everything on a GoPro, you know, and everything be POV. You know, you got to figure out what you're good at and what um, you can replicate and run with it, you know, and you don't, and you won't figure that out until you get out there and do it. Yeah, that's for sure. Then also what we figured out is, I mean, everybody watches outdoor television, but uh, just like you say, you know, you sit down, you write notes about it. You can kind of figure out how you think you want to film just by watching it, you know, You'd be like, man, I really like this show. This is kind of how they're filming. I think I want to try that and maybe put my own spin on it. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's kind of how we did this year. We we found a group that we really like to watch. Um, their quality is insane. We can't even touch it. Mm-hmm. But who, I mean, who is they've it? Been doing it? Last Breath Media. Last Breath. Are those the guys out of? Uh, are they out of Oklahoma? No, they're from Illinois. Yeah, they're around us. Um, they uh oh they had a film run, in the thing didn't they yeah yeah, yeah. i got yeah, you. they run all they run all dslrs and uh you know we kind of we they have a film festival and uh you know that's we wanted it we kind of want to go their route but tell more of a story with everyone you know that's just us and uh show show more emotion emotion with showing less of us if that makes sense you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean well as soon as you know, and I've seen it, and you guys have seen it, the guys that just want to be in front of the camera, they want to see themselves, um, and that, and you're never going to hide that from people. But when you try and show emotion, and, and trying to produce emotion, um, you know, and film it and tell that story, that's hard, you know, because some people see a camera. I know a lot of people that see a camera lens, and they they're not themselves anymore, you know. Whereas if they shot a deer off camera, they might lose their mind. But you put a camera in front of them, and, <laughs> and you put a camera in front of them, and they're not that person. They they feel like they have to be what that camera wants them to be, you know. So, you know, it's a it's a give and take. It's a it's a dance that you do, and that's and that's another thing is you know since you guys are going to work together, and you're going to film and edit and film and edit each other, um, you're going to create that relationship that is going to be either really good or really bad. So. Just know that going into it, you know, I've filmed for a lot of people, but you find a, you know, you find the right guy that you're really good buddies with and you spend a lot of time with and, you know, it starts becoming second nature. So I think that's a really good thing to have as well. So, um, but like I said, it's, it's all about going out there and figuring all this out and you've guys have already had a year of it. Now you've got a better plan. So this next year should be really good. Yeah, we're hoping it's, I mean, we're at the point now where we don't know. We feel like we have a very compelling story this year and a very compelling, I don't want to call it season because we're doing more like a short film route. What would you call it? Like, I don't even know. I don't, you know, we're, we're doing a few films that kind of tie together and we feel like this is like our, our coming out year. You know, this is, this is who we are and we've kind of been, you know, we haven't been doing it. So no one knows. This is what I feel like your first year is kind of what people you know, remember you as. So I feel like it's going to be really hard to beat our stories this year, but our filming quality will be able to beat. Yeah. Guaranteed. I mean, it's, I mean, we dabbled in it a little bit just for fun. Uh, but compared to that, to this year is night and day. So what we can do in another year, I think, I think we'll, we'll we're going to move up. You know, we're, we're almost obsessive about it now that it's just, it's fun being able to create it on the back end and see all the work that you put through the season is the best part. Yep. And, and, and as long as, and long as you're committed to it, which it sounds like you guys are committed, you know, a lot of guys go out with a, you know, big grand plan, their eyes get bigger than their stomachs and they start running a camera and it starts, you know, getting aggravating, charged batteries and tow the camera to the tree every day. And that commitment starts falling off and they kind of half-heartedly do it. And, you know, a year later they're not carrying the camera at all. So, just know, you know, if this is something you are passionate about, stay committed to it. You know, I know so many guys that have let it stop or f- stop taking the camera because it's aggravating, and the first time they don't take it, something epic happens. Um, so, you know, 
which you guys sound to me like you're going to, you know, you're going to hit that commitment in the mouth and do it like it's supposed to be done. But uh, all that's going to do is make you better. Yep. And, you know, just for everybody listening, I don't want you guys to think that we started filming and, you know, we've been filming ever since we decided we're going to do it. Um, Two years ago, you know, we started filming and I don't even think either one of us made it out of October still filming. No. Uh, we just got burnt out on it. Like it was said, a it was, big change. It was with people that you got to find the right person to do it with. That's oh, key. Too. Yeah. Yes, you do. And you got to find out, you got to have a common goal. You know, you can't, it's great to have a leader, you know, or someone that is, you know, taking charge, but you guys have to agree on it or it's going to feel like work instead of feel like this is something that you want to do to, to tell a story or to compel someone to hunt or whatever your main goal is. If you, you just want to film, you know, to show you killing big deer and the other guy wants to tell a story, it's not going to work out. Yeah. So you have to agree as a team or as buddies or whatever you're doing to decide from the very start what you want to do. And that's what me and homie did this year. I said, if we're going to invest this kind of money in the filming, you know, we really, this is something that we need to really do. And I put together that, that, that year's film. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, but just, just the same, just to wrap up what I was saying, you know, I didn't, I, I stopped filming, you know, right before the rut here. And um, I caught like, you know, almost a 150 working a scrape, come out right after a doe. I mean, it was pretty epic. But I had a just a small handy cam, and um, I didn't really know how much I liked filming until Cody put together that footage. And I was like, dude, that is super cool. Um, you know, that really motivated me to be like, all right, you know, next year I need to figure out something, figure out a way that I can stick with it. And uh, one thing that really helped me stay with it this year is having the DSLR because even though you're not able to film something, say you got a slow day in the woods, you can always take pictures. And, you know, that was something that really kept me engaged and uh, made them slow days in the terrible rut we had here uh, pass by a little bit quicker. Yeah. And, and you have that forever. You have that footage forever. And that's something I think a lot of people don't take into account. You know, they think, well, I got to drag a camera. I've got to, clear cards, I've got to dump footage, I've got to buy hard drives, I've got to keep batteries charged. Yeah, but man, when you see that deer working that scrape, you might have it in your mind. Um, but if you have that on camera that you can show people, it's never as good as being able to show somebody and be like, look, this is what I saw this morning. You know, this is what I got to experience. And then when you kill one, you've got that forever. You can show your kids, your grandkids. You know, it, it's you can't you can't put you can't put a price on that in my opinion. No. No, we got our kids in a lot this year, and I can't wait, you know. I had my six-month-old on a deer track, you know, and uh, just be able to show him when, you know, when he's a little older, be like, hey, man, you were on a giant deer, you know, on a giant, tracking a giant deer when you're six months old, and it's on <laughs> video. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so, cool. Very cool. Well, what are, some, what are some things you guys, after filming this, you know, filming the first year, not really knowing what a goal was. And now you kind of have a better goal in mind. What are some things that you're going to change and some things you want to get better at? Uh, whenever we go in the woods, always have a camera with us. Yeah, That's no a good start. What, that's a good start. That's one thing we want to do. And then one thing that is weird, it's weird to me, but like every hunt you have to go into, even if it's like a hot day, you have to go in there like, you have to, feel like you're going to kill something, right? You have to go in there filming like you're going to kill something. And that's one thing that we didn't do that last year. And, uh, you know, if we think back, well, if it would have happened on that day, we would have had no footage of that day, really, because we just, in our mind, didn't think that it was going to happen. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, we did too much self-filming this year, um, just out of, I'll I'll be honest with you, just out of... uh, selfishness of wanting to hunt more yeah you know wanting to cover more ground we were chasing absolute giant deer both of us and uh must be nice we we wanted to hunt more, <laughs> you know what i mean and uh we we made a commitment next year that unless one of us is working or 
we're going to try to schedule our vacation the same time and, and try to film each other and do it the right way. Cause that's just going to make the quality automatically better when we do that. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we have, I was another question I had, what do you guys do for a living? How do y'all get to, how do you get away to get to hunt some? And I know y'all both have kids and married and all that good stuff. Uh, we both work for the railroad. Oh, Homie's nice. an inspector and doesn't do much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that gives him the extra time to edit. Uh, and then I hold I hold whatever job I can closest to home. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So uh, I, most of the time I'm a welder. But. Oh, nice. I always tell the guys I'm doing my full time job, which is our podcast and you know our film and stuff. I'm always doing my full time job at my part time job that I work sixty hours a week at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I've got some family that works on the railroad out in Nebraska. Um, yeah, I was wondering what you guys did, but uh, yeah, this that's. That's uh, that's a good goal, you know. That's a good starting point is to make sure you always have a camera with you all the time. That you take the time to try and film each other, and then um, burn footage, man. Burn through some footage and get to editing it, and figure out what looks like crap and what looks good, and how you made that one look good and why it looked good. What were the settings on my camera? What was the time of day? What was the light? What was the what were the factors that made it good? You know, whether that, whether that's, um, you know, whether that's focal length, whether that's the lighting, whether that's the shutter speed that you were on or what, you know, you got to figure out what looks good and how you can replicate that over and over and over again. Yeah, for sure. We, something I learned this year, with just snow on the ground. I mean, the amount of, the amount you have to change your camera with snow on the ground or at least mine, to to change the light and then not make it almost look like blue. You yeah, know what I mean, filming it's just yeah, filming in the yeah, snow is rough. It was just it was insane, and it took it took a while for me to mess with my camera to figure it out. But I ended up filming it, figuring it out, and uh, well, I mean, kind of. It's still <laughs> it's still rough, but it's way better than where I started. You know, yeah. and that's one thing I will say to people: you can't be afraid to mess up you know and you can't be afraid to be like well i just wasted this whole season on film because we did a whole season like that you know we had some shots but it was nothing that we felt like we could release you know so even if you think well you know i just wasted this season filming you didn't waste it because you learned so much there's no way if you took a camera to the woods like every time i hung my fourth arrow arm i got better you know, and then I was like, okay, I'm in this tree, so I know exactly where I want to put it. I did a what I, nine packing hunts. Mm-hmm, I yeah. did nine packing hunts with all the camera gear, the stand, the whole nine yards, and uh, and I got better at it every time. I got faster. So just learning that, you know, and learning where you're comfortable putting the camera and on height wise, you know. Yeah. I mean, they have you can watch videos where people say, you know, put it put it, you know, at your waist, you put it between your waist and your shoulders. But until you do it and figure out what works for you the best, I mean, you don't know. So if you didn't get a big buck on film or you didn't get the shot on film or whatever, you still, it was still a successful season because you learned so much about your camera. There's, there's multiple days during the rut when it was slow. I'm just going through the settings and I'm like, well, let's see what this does. And i film for a while you know and i'm like okay i don't like that (laughs) yeah so then switch it back to my preset you know yeah never never miss an opportunity to learn for sure what do you what do you think has been what do you think has been uh one of the biggest struggles or learning curves you know as you guys have really gotten serious about it trying to really nail the transition shots you know how you got from one place to the next Mm-hmm. And now I just go back to we didn't really know what our goal was going to be, um, but you know we're, we're we've got some of it put together and we're just like man you know we're missing a couple shots or you know we don't have a drone yet we definitely want a drone and I told Cody today I said dude in five years we're going to look back and be like we should have just went and bought a drone yeah and yeah. you know just took care of it those are those are just drone shots are just so epic and it would help us tell the story on our side better on some of them we we feel like we have shot ideas that we're like man that would be yeah incredible it's just another thing i'll i will say i know it's kind of off subject but 
one thing that we learned as a challenge is so we got into filming and so we bought everything this year we bought the bodies the lenses the the tree arms the tripods the fluid heads you know and and i wish i wish i would have saved a little bit more money and bought the lens that i needed instead of settling for the one that i thought i could get by with yeah so that was one of the biggest challenges i think was we we initially took all this took this big jump in the filming cost when we should have i should have waited a couple more months and just bought the lens that you know bought the lens i wanted or needed i'd say and then my film would have been better throughout the whole year mm-hmm. uh, another thing was just like i was saying that i struggled with early was setup in the dark um uh, we, I got better over time, but those first couple sets in the dark in the morning, they're rough, you know? And I'm kind of one of those guys that don't like to access this piece. I hunt a very small piece, and uh, I don't like to access it at all. So if a guy had a way to just literally just get in a tree stand, you know, in the early morning hours and put your, put your you know, Put your tree arm on, put your base on, put your fluid head arm, you know, put your lens on your camera, go through all the steps. That would save you so much headache for when you get out there and you're in the dark in this tree and you're like trying to get a flashlight out to see if the level's on, on your, your fluid head. And, you know, hey, is my base solid enough when I swing my camera arm all the way out? Is it going to, you know, rock or that would have been a lifesaver for me to just be able to, even if I was three foot off the ground, I don't, you know, yeah. just be able to do it in a tree. Yeah. Well, that can give you peace of mind that you've got, you know, a couple thousand dollars on the end of that camera arm, make sure it's not going to go tumbling to the ground in the dark. Yeah. 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 That's always a, always a <laughs> scary thing when you don't have your tree arm set real good and you swing it all the way out and you're like, you get that tilt. You're like, oh man, that could have oh, been the best. Bad. I dropped, I dropped one lens this year. But there's nine inches of snow uh, on the ground. Oh, I so dropped it saved a, it. Yeah, I dropped a seventy two hundred a seventy to two hundred last year. It's about a sixteen hundred dollar lens, bounced off three limbs and hit the ground and I was like, No snow on the ground. And I was like, Oh mm-hmm. god, I just ruined that lens. Got down there, all that broke was the lens hood. Thank you, Jesus. Oh um, man, nice. But the, the the scariest thing for me is I've had the same pull up rope. I've got a it's called the hunter's hoist or hunting hoist. Um, it's the greatest pull-up rope ever. It's like a $40 pull-up rope, but it's got a, you know, a $3 piece of Chinese nylon that is the, is the actual rope. And it's got a little piece of plastic that you hook under your camera. And every time I'm pulling up my camera, I'm like, oh my God, I'm pulling up $15,000 with a three, <laughs> yeah. the $3 Chinese strap. I think about it every time and I freak myself like out every yeah. time like we run this podcast and to run our phone into the soundboard you got a 280 dollars soundboard and a three dollar aux cord that's just junk <laughs> we yeah. gotta shake it every time to get it to work yeah and they were like all right don't touch it yeah don't touch it but I'm yeah like, we need you to buy a three dollar cord yeah you gotta hold your mouth right when you're doing things i tell people that all the time yeah, <laughs> yeah. well so y'all are i mean y'all are mainly whitetail guys do y'all do much else uh we turkey hunt a lot and uh about it man. i love turkey hunting oh yeah, gosh all in turkey hunting. don't I get wanna, me started i love it i'm gonna get my wife in it i'm gonna turkey hunt just for the pure fact to get more footage yeah. you know just to to be able to edit it more film more and I've, I've listened to your how to film turkey episode three or four times i'm telling you so, the, the number one piece of advice i can give you two pieces of advice get up get the get, decoys close get the decoys close and uh, make sure everybody's sitting still, obviously. Get the decoys close and get that big ghillie net and throw it over you, man. You can get away with murder. And if you sit, yeah, and if you, if you can sit in a blind, that's even better, especially for you know, somebody that's inexperienced. But I'm kind of anti-blind because I've you know, done a bunch of turkey hunts, and I like to be out we in the open air. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, do, I do too. But if you're taking kids or somebody that's never been, you, know, you can't be to blind. But you get underneath that turkey net filming, man, phew, Golly, it's murder. They can't, they can't, they can't stand it, man. But get those. Yeah, I bought one. Get the yeah. decoys close. I like to be some people a little further, but I'm like a, I'm a ten-ish yard guy because let's be honest, turkeys are stupid, and if they hang up, I'd rather them hang up at a ten-yard decoy than in a twenty-five-yard decoy because they're out of yeah, shotgun sure. range. 
when they hang up at 25, but if they hang up at a 10-yard decoy, then they're at 40 yards, and you can still kill them. So, and a turkey's either coming or he's not. There's not an in-between. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm from Missouri originally. Oh, nice. Uh, I was very blessed to grow up on a farm with my, uh, my grandpa's farm, and, I mean, there's just so many turkeys on it, man. I just, every season, I, you know, I'd limit out, and then the fall season, and then I just got to the point where, you know, a turkey's a turkey to me. The hunt is exciting, but there's just there's not a lot of uniqueness to oh, it. Oh, exactly. Unless you're doing subspecies and grand slams, there's not. You know, yeah, they don't. Yeah, yeah. But that's and that's that would be cool. and that's why whitetails with a bow rate better than anything. And you yeah. know, because they all look different, they all have character, they all have you know personalities. Most of them have good stories. You know, that's why you know year after year after year they outrate everything. And that's why there's so yeah, many whitetail shows. Turkey year to year to year. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, since you guys are, you know, the typical Midwestern guys that do mainly whitetails and turkeys, what's what's that dream hunt? What's the one that you want to do? I want to do caribou. Yeah. That's that's mine. Caribou's really on my like list to too. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the first one. I I would love bow, obviously, because I'm a bow hunter at heart, but even with the rifle would be cool. Um, the that three mile herd, have you heard about that? Yeah, that just seems like a. I mean, I like to watch animals, you know, and to be able to see that many caribou at one time in one place that would just be epic to me. So that's really high up there. Um, a lot of people like elk. Elk is really intriguing to me. But me and homie have been talking, and I think I we really I really just want to do some out of state whitetail hunting. You know, I've yeah. done some, but not a lot. And whitetails are kind of my thing. But what do you got, homie? I'd like to uh, get on a bighorn sheep, mm. but I'm just my legs are hurting thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I I think it'd just be super cool to see a couple of them smack heads together, and then you know, take one of them, um, but elk's not far behind you know i i see these people get these videos and this elk is like four steps away uh that seems like it'd be quite the rush yeah no there's nothing like elk man if you like to turkey hunt you will love to elk hunt i know and, and that's what a lot of people have told me and I, so i'm like oh man dude if i go yeah, elk hunt, like, it's gonna it. be one of them things that i'll just be like oh, i gotta do it every year yeah, oh, yeah. it'll like, ruin you another thing you oh man do I'd, yeah i'd give it all up I give it all up for two weeks in September. Wow. Mm. No, there's no, there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. You can have everything else. I won't hunt another thing if you give me two weeks in September. I don't know, man. It's my favorite. Two weeks in, yeah, it's, two weeks in the rut, man. That'd be hard. <laughs> no, man. It's it it's it's the best. It to me, it's the best of every form of hunting. It's spot and stock. You're moving around. You're calling. You're interacting with an animal. You can, you know, you can show aggression. You're hunting a big antlered animal with a bow that is in the rut. You know, he's rut crazed and he's calling and answering. Um, it's everything that you like about every type of hunting that you do wrapped into one. Yep, and that's exactly why I got to do it. <laughs> you have to do it. And and people think that it's so, and I'm going to do a podcast about this. It'll be a little outside the scope of the normal Redneck Tech podcast. But um, I want to do a podcast about guys getting out and doing their first Western hunt. And I'm obviously going to tie filming into it. But um, it's not as expensive as you think it is. And, you know, I honestly tell people if, you know, mid-September – yeah, y'all's white y'all's white tail season doesn't open until October the first, right? Right. So, I mean, you've got the entire month of September to go out there for a week. You know, you can go out there for five days, spend the seven hundred dollars on a Colorado tag, and go to an over the counter unit and you might not even see an elk, but you will hear one bugle and you will run after it and you will chase it and you will do everything you can just to lay eyes on that animal and it will change your life. You absolutely have to do it, and you can do a really good over-the-counter white or elk hunt. I would say for fifteen hundred bucks or less. Um, I know I did. Uh, I did my Idaho hunt and my 
Colorado hunt back-to-back in 2017, and I think I was $2,500 into both of those hunts with tags, travel, and everything, and got two shot opportunities, killed an elk in Colorado, called in a giant in Idaho, missed one in Idaho, just, I mean, I just, I also hit it timing just right too, but man, that, that trip ruined me. I mean, ruined me. I told my wife that I will just expect for me to be gone April, September, and November for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> At least you told her straight up front. That's yeah. What I only tell my wife too. I'm like, yeah, it's time. It's time for me to go to work and then go hunt. Well, it's really, every other time I have. it makes it, it makes it really hard for me though, because I'm gone so much with work as it is hunting and my wife still to this day. I love you, baby. Cause she listens to every one of these podcasts and critiques them out. <laughs> um, the brownie points. Yeah. Man. I mean, she listens to them, but anyway, I, I've, I've told her it makes it really hard for me because she still doesn't think what I do for a living is actually a job. It's still hard for her to fathom that, going out and filming hunts and producing content and taking pictures and filming stuff gets shot, you know, is, is a living, which, you know, I, I do make a living at. It's what I do every day. And I'm, I mean, I mean, I make a pretty good living for, you know, in my opinion, uh, you know, especially for what, you know, for what I do, I think I make a great money for what I do. So it's one of those things to where, um, it's hard for her to say, yes, you can go off and hunt for yourself when she feels like that's all I do every day anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell her this, uh, we are, we're not even novice, you know, we're new, like you said, and I'm not offended by that at all, you know, it's our first year, and uh, the amount of work that we put in on the, on top of our just hunting, right, I mean, it, yeah. was, it was work, like, and if you're going to do that for a job, uh, like, you're going to be up later than everybody else, you're going to be up before everybody else well, you're dude, gonna be packing in more weight know, than everybody else y'all know this just hunting a deer you know getting a, a target deer that you want to hunt without a camera involved at all just hunting a particular deer with running trail cameras hanging stands strategizing moving plant food plots all the things that you do just to hunt one deer that becomes a job might not be a full-time job but it can sure as crap be a part-time job you know, to where, oh, and, yeah. that you're, and, and that you're not getting paid for, it's costing you money, you know? So it's oh, one yeah. of those things to where you add the filming into that, then you add the traveling into that, then you add more than just whitetails to that. It's, it's a yeah, lot. I can't imagine. Man. Yeah. So it's, um, so it's, it, I have to, I have to try and, she's really good when I plan things really far in advance. When I spring things on her spur of the moment, she doesn't do well with that. So, yeah, I, that's why like my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I've tried to like go ahead and warm her up to the fact that you know September, especially September, is I'm going to be gone because that's September only comes once a year. In November, you know, I'm really flexible. In November because I can go to my buddy's place in Oklahoma and I can kill a good deer there. Really, any time in November, I've never had to spend more than four days there to kill a good deer. So, and, and whitetails are great. I love whitetails, but if I'm going to go whitetail hunting, I'm going to go out there, kill my deer, and come home. I don't have a place close to home. I've tried to get a place close to home to manage and to, you know, to do what you guys do and chase you know, a particular deer and, and get a history with them. But I just don't have anywhere, and we don't have the deer like that. You kill a 130-inch deer here, man, you've done something. So it's it's hard for me to really get excited about whitetails like you guys do. But if I lived where you did, I, I mean, I could definitely see it. But, um... For me, I have to travel to do everything that I want to do because all the hunting around me sucks. I tell my dad all the time, I'm like, why'd you make me grow up in this godforsaken place? You know, <laughs> so, so I'm I'm just counting the days and trying to figure out a way to move to Oklahoma or to Idaho, one or the other. That's where I'm moving. If, if I ever, y'all ever hear I move, that's where you'll find me is one of those two places. <laughs> yeah. I've been to Idaho a couple of times, man. It's gorgeous. Oh my gosh. It's, it's a... Yeah. And my buddies from Idaho will cuss me because they tell me not to tell people how nice it is because they don't want any more people moving oh, in. It's nice. I was in the Sandpoint area, and that is really nice. Yeah. And oh, it's a, it's a sportsman's yeah. paradise, man. Every oh yeah, every big game animal in North America, pretty much every big game animal except caribou is in is in Idaho. And every fish too, man. Yeah. Lake trout. No, see, I don't trout, fish. You know, I mean. 
man. Yeah, I'm not a fisherman. I, I, the more I film, the less I get into fishing. <laughs> yeah, well, my whole theory on fishing, and I, I get, I catch so much crap about this. My theory on fishing is once you've caught one fish, you've caught every other fish. One pulls a little harder than the other one. I just, I don't get it. I don't get fishing. I wouldn't walk across the road to catch fish. Could care less about it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like duck hunting to me. Oh God! Look, don't, 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 don't make me cuss on this shoot podcast. One goose, you just shot every goose. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's huge around my area. I mean, uh, I, and, and I, mean, I understand. I understand the waterfowl guys, and I have some waterfowl guys that listen to this that hate on me for hating on waterfowl. But it's just, it just don't. It, it, it doesn't blow my skirt up, man. It's yeah, mine I, neither. Yeah, it, it's fishing is probably the you know the one I care the least about, but duck hunting and waterfowling is a really close second. Yeah, if it doesn't have four legs and I can't hunt it with a bow, I really don't care much about it. <laughs> yeah, so that's about right. Except for except for predators, you know, I'll do like I love to I like to hunt coyotes, and I think those were put on earth to be shot with a rifle, so. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and turkeys were meant to be shot with a shotgun. So, um, I do, I do have strong beliefs in both of those things, but everything else I'm going to bow hunt. One thing I'd like to say, man, is I know you created the podcast to help people learn, you know, and when you're first creating it, just like we created ours and our mission, you, I mean, it's always nice to hear that it's working, you know, and we get, when we get that message that like, Thanks for doing what you guys are doing. It's different than everybody else. I, me and homie appreciate you and your show, dude. I mean, we I've, I've listened to almost every episode, if not every one. I maybe missed a couple. And How uh, dare you? I know. <laughs> I'm just messing <laughs> no. with you. And, and, I mean, a lot of them I've listened to multiple times. You know, when you put out that one, what camera is right for you, I mean, I listened to that one a couple times because that was about the same time that we were really – kind of decide what we wanted to do and you know sometimes you you know sometimes you get into like the really simple ones and i'm like oh, i'm gonna know everything about this mm-hmm. and then i listen and i'm like man i don't know crap about mm-hmm. this <laughs> so it's good it's it's really good for me to have an outlet like you you know and then every time even in the off season like this we're not filming a lot but if i can keep learning i feel like i'm growing my filming and i'm doing that through your show and there's really not any other podcast out there that's just strictly filming wise for people that really you know me and homie are kind of like the guys that if you're going to do something you need to go all in and you need to do it as the best you possibly can and don't you know don't half-ass do it you know what i mean so with you with your help we're able to be like okay we're getting better all the time one thing I like to say is when you stop getting better, you might as well hang it up because you're done. No doubt. You know, or when you think, you know, everything, when you think you are the best, exactly. at something. but yeah. dude, I, I appreciate the, the nice, the nice words. I, uh, I'm just like, I've like, I'm in the bio on the redneck tech thing. I'm literally a redneck that figured out how to make my hobby, my job. And that's, and that's what I, you know, try and that's what I try and convey on the podcast is like, listen, dude, if I can do this, anybody can freaking do it. Yeah, if we can do what we're doing, I mean, literally, uh, with the amount of skill and knowledge of computers and cameras that we had <laughs> at the beginning of the year, to create what we created now at the end of the year is, I mean, anybody can do it, literally. Yeah. I mean, anybody. We're a couple of railroaders, you know, we work with hammers and spikes and, you know, stuff like that. And we can, if we can go out there and do it, it just takes time and effort and the willingness, just like you said, to not think that you know everything. And someone that is, you know, maybe just started filming, I'll sit down and listen to them talking to me. And I'm thinking like, well, you know, I've never tried that. Maybe I should try that. Maybe that's a better way, you know? Yeah. But well, guys, one thing yeah, that we had ahead. a hard, okay, sorry. No, one thing ahead. we You're had fine. a hard time doing was uh, like you had that, you need to do one with like a time, you know what I mean? That was one thing that we had a hard time figuring out was what, like how long should a film be if you're not telling, like if you have a story to tell that, that's such a hard topic for us to understand. Like 
like you said, have someone watch it and feel like when they're getting boring, yeah, when they're getting bored to, to cut it, you know, and to move on. But it's really hard to know when, okay, that's enough and then, or that's not enough. But now that we've done on the edit side, I think we kind of know better. Yeah. Like we just didn't want it to be too long, but we wanted to get our story across and, you know, let everybody feel how we feel about it. And, um, you know, now that we've got that one pretty much put together and we know what we're yeah. going to do, um, I don't think it's too long. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're, we're plenty good. You know, I'd, I'd watch it. Uh, you had somebody watch watch it today. Yeah. Did he say anything about how long it was? No, he liked it. But I just don't – we don't want to be that guy that's, like you say, it's the same thing. He's in an interview. Here comes a deer. You know, the next day he's doing an interview. Here's some more deer. And then he shoots one, and then here's the post, you know. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be a little different and still not, you know, being different, it's dangerous. You know what I mean? You don't know if people are going to like it or, or you, what. You know, you, you said our our film that we're going to put out this year and, you know, a couple of things that we're going to do is risky. And when you said that, I was like, no, it's just like what we're going to do. Like, that's just us. But now that I've got it halfway organized, I'm like, man, uh some of it's kind of risky, yeah. you know, just just to be just to bring a different light or, you know, bring the way that we're perceiving how our season went or, you know, how we feel about it. And uh, I think I I think some people are going to like it and some people are going to be like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're uh, we're trying. We're trying to break the mold a little bit, I think, and just do. Do stuff that's, I mean, everybody says we're trying to do stuff that's never been done before, right? So, but we're, we're trying to really do that, and we'll see how it ends up. <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, all you can do is try, but, you know, and people, you know, some, you're never going to please everybody. So if you're trying to please everybody, you're, you're pissing up a rope. But, um, yeah. you know, if, if it makes you happy and you stay true to yourself, man, and if you're doing this for yourself, piss on what everybody else thinks, you know? But as far as as far as the length thing goes, you know, I think it needs to be as long as it needs to be. You know, there's no right or wrong answer to that. I used to think that long form stuff was too long, um, and and all comes down to personal preference. But looking at what's trending and what's doing really well, you look at YouTube and you look at the channels that have really good YouTube followings. Most of the time, their videos are long, ten plus minutes. Um, mm-hmm. and the reason those do well is because of the YouTube algorithm that the longer the videos are, the longer they can advertise to you. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, that's a strategy that a lot of the really good YouTubers do. They like consistency and they like length. So they like to see lots of content and they like to see long, lots of content. That's a lot of work, but the ones that are doing that are, have the biggest followings that are making the most money. Um, and then I think there's always a sweet spot for those five to seven minute ones. You know, I think those, I, I, I put those in terms of how long does it take you to sit on the pot and take a crap. That's that's when people are watching that kind of stuff. That's what the link that you're pushing towards people. Then you've got the Instagrams of the world where it's one minute. It's hit it and get it, you know, get out. Um, mm-hmm. And those are my favorite because you can do, it, it really challenges you to tell a good story in a minute. Um but, you know, that's the majority of my work that I've done is the one minutes and then the five to seven minutes. Um, I feel like those are something that I've done really well at. Um, and I've done countless 30-minute television shows. You know, but something I want to do this year is I want to do something long. Like, I want to do something 45-hour-ish. And that is, that's scary to me. But Yeah, that's, the, the that's got to be epic. Though. Yeah, well, and, and it's got to have a lot of story. It's got to have a lot of footage. It's got to have, it's just a lot. Because I know how long, I mean, we used to film 10 to 12 hours of raw footage for 22 minutes for a television show. So, you know, you're using usually 15 to 20% of the final footage is what's actually going to make the show. Now you're talking about an hour. You know, you're going to need, you know, over 100 hours of raw footage and you know what story do i have to tell that's that long and then you look at doing a film for the film festival and i think they had to be six to eight minutes so it's like how do you take an hour-long story and condense it to six or eight well you don't you don't and you don't do it effectively 
Um, there's yeah. going to inevitably be things that have to be left out. There's event, there's inevitably going to be things that you wanted to show that you wanted to add, add value that aren't going to make it. So my answer to that question is how long does it need to be? It needs to be however long it takes to tell that story. And like, you know, if you guys are doing it for yourself, you're doing it to be different. You're doing it to tell your story. Then you tell your story to be true to yourself. And who cares what everybody else thinks? You know, there's going to be, like I said, people that love it, people that hate it. Um, you know, and, and I, I, and I have a lot of opinions and I can, cause this is my podcast, but it's one of those things to where I, I hate on things, not because I think they're bad, but it's because of personal preference. Um, I know there's some things that I've watched that I was, I couldn't stand that I've been side by side with somebody that really enjoyed it, that probably had more experience in this world than I do. It just comes down to personal preference. Um, so don't, don't get caught up or hung up in, Hey, I think this really needs to be under eight minutes. This is too long. You know, if it's, if it takes 15 minutes to tell the story, then it takes 15 minutes. If it takes four minutes to tell the story, it takes four minutes. But when you start losing me, is when it when you told a twelve minute story that you could have told in four, you know. Yeah. You know when there's a bunch of filler, a bunch of wasted space, a bunch of wasted time that added no value. That's what you've got to do. Is when you're watching something, you've got to say, you know, if if the footage or the scene or the clip does not add value to your story, then get rid of it. You know, if it doesn't serve a purpose, get rid of it. And that's really hard for you to do because if you if you edit on something long enough you fall in love with your footage. And when you fall in love with your footage, you don't want to cut anything out. And especially if you look at it for as long as we look at edits. You know, you look at them for hours and hours and hours, and you just fall in love with a particular shot or a particular scene, and then you let somebody like me watch it, and I watch it, and I'm like, eh, I'm bored right here. Why? I, this makes no sense. Why do you have this whole scene about, you know, walking back and forth to the tree stand? I don't care. I've already seen you do that once. I don't need to see you do that three more times. Get rid of it. But but I really like that shot because it's this. And yeah, who cares? Get rid of it. And then that'll <laughs> then it's soul crushing because I've had that happen to me. You know, you fall in love with a scene that's got a, a particular shot that you shot that you it took you an hour to get the sun right and blah 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 blah. And then you have somebody come in there and hack it up, and you're like, what the heck? But you know, it's one of those things to where if it doesn't add value, if it doesn't add to the story, get rid of it. Yeah, that was one thing that I was kind of bummed about, you know, when we when season ended, is the amount of good quality film that we have that's just going to stay on the hard drive because oh, there's yeah. no there's no need for it. Like it doesn't go into any story that we have. It was just you know, uh, you know, a buck doing something really cool. Well, or, what you, you know, do uh, what you do with that stuff is you take it and you use that for social media content. You use that stuff and you repurpose it. It might not go towards the the final film or the final story, but now you have content that you can use in all your other avenues. And that's what people, I think that's where people don't see value in things like that. They have this cool clip that they're not going to get to use. Well, man, I could pull that out and I could do a podcast about deer making scrapes. And I've got this cool shot of this deer making a scrape and I can use that for my Instagram now. Or I can use yeah. that for, you know, a, a number of reasons. You, sometimes you got to get creative, but you got cool shots that you want to use. There's absolutely places to use them. Solid advice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's an also, like, right now, I thought about that. I've, I, like, thought about getting an intern just to go through, like, copying all my stuff onto another hard drive and, like, go, like handing them the hard drive and, like, go through here and I need you to pull as many cool clips as you possibly can so I can use them for, you know, Instagram, for the website, for podcasts, for, you know, because I I, talk, I think about doing it all the time, but I don't ever have time. But when you're going, and what you got to do, and I've got to get better at this, you know, when I'm doing my reels at the end of the year, is when you're going through and you're editing something, you're watching footage, and you see something that's really cool, you you need to copy and paste that into another folder somewhere and name it something like cool clips or content or like reels or something like that to where yeah you you're taking up more hard drive space by duplicating it but you've got it organized in a place where you can go back and you've got a library of really cool stuff instead of saying man that 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 scrape that deer was making when was that that was in october right yeah well what what stand were we in and then you're like you'll never find it again versus when you're watching that footage you're like man this is a really cool shot in and out points export drop it on your desktop put it in a folder and you've got it forever 
So it's one of those things, and I don't do a good job of that. I think about it all the time, and I never end up doing it. Yeah, that's something we we learned from your podcast. Next year, we're going to do completely different. I'm going to keep all my stuff on my computer and hard drive and then go through and get rid of all the junk and then give it to homie. <laughs> <laughs> just like the last guy you had on uh, the podcast just here recently, you know. I, ha- I don't know how many clips I had where I'm just checking the lighting. Like, yeah. it's, oh, getting, it's, yes. getting, it's getting late, you know, and I'm just checking the lighting. And I'm like, man, I am... I'm a bad friend because homie just had to go through a hundred of those throughout the season. You know, you know, what's my lighting like? What, you know, what's my ISO like? What do I need to do here? And then it's like 10 second. Well, and some cameras, well, some cameras even have a, a, a way that you can go in your menu and set a button to where it erases the last clip. I know, uh, pretty sure it was my FS five, maybe no, it was my 300 K, which was my camera's, one of my last cameras before I left sub seven before my FS seven. And I'm pretty sure it had a button that you could set to where if you recorded a clip and you knew it was junk, it would delete the last clip that you filmed. Like you would hit that button. It would say delete last clip. You would say yes or no, yes or no. And it would go to it. Uh, I don't know which cameras have it. It might be something you can look into, but that was something that I used to do is I, I take some junk clip and uh, I'd get rid of it right there in camera. But that's also playing with fire, too, because you get into the moment and, you know, you've got a big deer coming in and you accidentally hit the wrong button, and which there's always that yeah. fail-safe. There's always the fail-safe of scrolling to yes or no. But, you know, you get the shakes after you kill a big deer and you might hit yes when you meant no, too. So, Oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it, like I said, it's playing with fire. But uh, I know some cameras do have the capability. Yeah, I know. On my camera, you just hit the playback, and then you hit delete, and it mm-hmm. asks you if you want to delete yes or no. And yep. I, when I got his card, it was already almost a Thanksgiving, and I'm just like, why are you not hitting two buttons on your camera to get rid of this ISO check, man? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. running such a big memory card, it don't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> right. In my mind, I'm like, you know, but I'm going to do a better job, clean it up, you know, do the hard things, and make it easier on, on homie there. Well, guys, I I truly appreciate the, you know, you guys listening and, um, you know, learning just a little bit from me. I hope and you know, um, I hope that I can continue to help you guys out the best I can. Um, and you know, hope you guys keep which y'all kill some big deer. I mean, y'all showed me some pictures of some deer y'all have killed. I mean, there's, there there no freaking slouches. Um, <laughs> so I, I I'm anxious to see some uh, some of the work you guys put out. I'm anxious to give you guys feedback if you want it and, uh, you know, continue to move, move forward, I guess. I only want feedback if it's a hundred percent savage. <laughs> straight, straight don't, dishonesty. don't tempt me with a good time. Yeah. That's what me and homie were talking. You know, we're like, we're excited to release stuff to get people, you know, just like you said, we know our friends are going to be like, Oh, that was awesome. Oh yeah. I want someone to be like, you know, that was all right, but this is what you need to do to make it better. Well, and, I'll always be honest with you, and I would always yeah. recipro- I would always expect the same in return. Yeah. Well, well we uh, appreciate you letting us come on, man. Yeah, yeah man, for well, sure. Hey, where can people find you guys? You know, tell me, tell me, uh, tell guys about the podcast, and then where everybody can find you. You want it? Or you want me to get it? <laughs> <laughs> you tell them about the podcast. Uh, we started a podcast um, a year and a few months ago. And uh, we're kind of podcast junkies. We like to call ourselves. We listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, we're obsessed with whitetails, and it's a great outlet to listen and learn. Um, I, I think when I listen to something, I can imagine it in my mind of like, well, how would I use this? But when I'm watching it, I'm just I see the guy doing it, so I can't imagine it. So that's why we went the podcast route, and uh, we try to reach for unknown guys that aren't celebrities that are just insanely successful from around the United States killing big deer. Some have crazy off-the-wall <laughs> tactics. Um, some run 90 trail cameras. Uh, some guys sleep in the woods. I mean, we've had we've had some, some cool people on. And uh, the proof's in the pudding, like we say. And that was kind of our mission, just to give a... Everybody has a story to tell. And this is an outlet for average people like us 
that love whitetails to tell their stories. Yeah. Super cool. And homie's got where you can find us. Gotcha. Uh, so we're on all three social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, if you just search whitetail legacy podcast should pull us right up. Um, Twitter's Twitter's pretty fun. We have a lot of fun with Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's our best. Twitter's our safe zone for hunters right now. Really? See, I, I feel like they call it. I don't do anything on Twitter. I've never gotten into Twitter. Uh, that's We didn't really do anything on Twitter yeah. over the first like six months or, se- or seven months, and then I kind of took that under my belt as something I wanted to do. And uh, we've met really solid friends through Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, I do this thing called Hard Question of the Day, and I asked some questions. If you said it on Facebook, you would just get owned. And people under on Twitter, I don't know. They just it's cool. It's yeah, just everybody's it's cool. Chill, you know? Yeah. Uh, with, with, I don't know what the question was, but um, two guys were going back and forth. I mean, literally all day. And it's, you could tell it was kind of getting heated. But at the end of it, you know, everybody's like, "All right, I learned a bunch from you." I learned a bunch from you. I can see both of your guys' sides, and everybody appreciate you for sharing your yeah, knowledge. You yeah, know? everybody thanked like, them wow. for sharing their opinion, and yeah. uh, that was it. And then they were commenting back on it the next day. Huh? So it's a really cool space that we're in there. Honored, yeah. Yeah. Might have to jump on. I don't know. I don't know if I have time for that, but I like to. I do like to hear that it's a. Uh, it's not the absolute slugfest that Facebook is. My God, I hate Facebook. I don't even, I try not, I, I try to do everything through Instagram and just let it copy to Facebook. And if somebody comments on Facebook, yeah. I'm like, great, you know, but it, otherwise <laughs> I just live on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the necessary yeah, evil. Necessary evil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that you have to have to, you know, to listen to people and see what they want and to share your stuff with people. But, I mean, sometimes it gets pretty vulgar. Oh, gosh. Vulgar or political, one or the other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing about Twitter, man. There's, I mean, I've asked some really trying questions, you know, and it's always been real cool. So, Well, sweet. I'm going to have to jump on there and see if I can answer some questions. There you go. Or at least take a stab at it. Well, guys, I, I really appreciate it. I hope you wish you guys all the best. And uh, like I said, y'all holler at me anytime if you need anything. All right, man. We appreciate it. All right, man. See you guys. <laughs>